Alright, ready? Yeah, I already record. Okay, cool. Hola, como estas? Welcome to another episode of Tequila High Club. Today is a sensational episode. One, because again, I've got a tequila bottle here that I have not actually drunk and I heard it's really, really good. Also, one of my good mates here from Bali, probably one of the most sensational people on Bali, probably in the, in the world. If you want to know how to throw a good party, this guy is the person to know. So, go like and subscribe and put your attention to my homie Drew. What's up, bro? What's up, man? What a, what a great introduction, man. Man, I feel like I went to the Oscars right now by the red carpet, but thank you so much. Where's my Oscar, though, man? I guess you'll never know. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, so happy to be here. Thanks for having me have on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Excited to try this tequila mm-hmm. and just get it going, man. So let's go nuts. Let's yeah. ask some questions, Q&A. Maybe some people don't know about me, and that'd be a great opportunity for them to check this podcast mm-hmm. and see what I'm all about or what my story is. And again, I want to say again, I've said it before, I apologize. I left you hanging earlier. Yeah. I had some shit going on, so I'm sorry for that, bro. So but, make sure you're always on time, guys, because I was definitely not on time. Oh, good. Apology <laughs> accepted, because you got tequila on the table. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Okay, so this tequila we're going to go through today, it's Don Ramon, and it is a silver. Interesting thing about Indonesia is they always call the silver plata, which is um, pretty interesting. This is from uh, Jalisco. It's double distilled because it's silver. It's not aged. So what we're going to go through now, it's a little bit harder to taste and smell the aromas. But what we're going to do is we're going to smell this and right. then we're going to have a little sip. And I want, to, I want you, cheers, to just see if you can taste some essence within it. What's the flavors that you smell? Already, like, the, the smell is actually really strong. I, st- I see some fine notes in this uh, spectacular beverage. <laughs> You're the first person that's actually said notes, bro. <laughs> I did my homework. So I, I, it's very refreshing. It's got, like, a very, like... Oh. 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 It's sweet, right? It's sweet. Mm. I think it definitely pairs in with, like, oranges, for example. Any punch kind of mixers, you know, so when it comes to mixology, I would definitely mix this with like freshness, like citrus, mm-hmm. some oranges, yeah, uh, lime, lemon, that type of like, it'd, be, it'd work well for some like, like an afternoon, like beach drink. Mm-hmm. So they've got some hidden um, ingredients in here. They try and mix a little bit of like coconut and stuff with it. Mm. So you can kind of taste that, that kind of that nutty coconut feel to it. Splendid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Now that you say coconut, I could taste the coconut. <laughs> Which, you know, a lot of people like on the on the show is when I've said, uh, this is what it tastes like, right? And they're like, is that a placebo? Like, am I really, it or really tasting that? But it is. I think, you know, you and me being alcoholics for quite some time, we really appreciate a good alcoholic drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think as we get older, we start refining our taste. And we can't just really... Can I say like other tequila brands or? Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, if I was trying to convert to Jose Cuervo, Jose Cuervo would be like that hooker on the middle of the street. And this tequila is like the one in the five-star hotel. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of people are interesting. I was actually going to get, um, one of uh, Jose Cuervo has got, uh, they've got this. Uh, Not to say anything about Jose Cuervo. I still like you guys. I'm just comparing you guys to I mean, it. I don't like you guys. Yeah, them. With your, like, shitty hooker, like, your lowest brand is terrible. It's pretty lawless, actually. Yeah. 
but they actually do have a really nice taste. They actually do have a proper premium that's like like their version of Klaus or And it's actually quite delicious. Then no one really, you can't really get it because they don't produce no. them. And the crazy thing about tequila, it's definitely an emerging market. Like, of, of course, if you see a lot of players right now, and one of them was like, for example, George Clooney with the whole Casamigos, mm. he foresaw the potential market for Casamigos and tequila yeah. brands. And like, you know, he invested what, 500 million, even less than that, yeah. maybe like a quarter million, and he sold it for a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Just having the, the company for about six, seven years or yeah. not the exact numbers. I want to like verify that. We could verify the line. And then, then you see like Don, you know, Dwayne Johnson with this tequila. Mm-hmm. No, Terramana. It's like the highest selling tequila in America right now. I think he, that's a good point because what I like to explain to people is that the reason why tequila needs to really take a step back and actually just taste, there's a lot of soul to it. Yeah. Like, for example, this this bottle here, this company, they started in 1966. I'm sorry, not nice, 1996. So they've got 24 years of building the tequila but then when you look at other tequilas as well, there's always some sort of soul that's connected back to the Mexican people. Yeah. And that's the beautiful thing about tequila. No, absolutely. I completely agree with that. And just to add to what you're saying is tequila is, I think, plant-based. Am I correct? Yeah, what's well, agave, yeah. Yeah, so the agave. So what's really spiritual about that is a spiritual spirit, and that's why they call it spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because it's made by Mexicans and they're very spiritual people by themselves. Yeah. So they put a lot of love and soul to what they make. Yeah. You know, and, and if you care, if you compare like all the tequila bottles, even like the Claus Azul, for example, like those are handmade bottles, mm. you know, and each one of them were particularly handmade. It doesn't matter how many people they hire, but they're all handmade mm-hmm. and they don't, they're, they build it with heart and soul. And I think there's some spiritual, like beautiful element to it. That's why we, people drink tequila, they, their souls open up and like, it's a different type of like, under the influence per se. Yeah. You know, compared to other spirits like Wakans, uh, I'll sort like, but like now tequila is definitely in my forefront. I feel like it's really big in the States. Also, I miss fish on Tuesdays. We sell a lot of tequila, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just to let you know if you guys are, want to drop a case. I've had a couple <laughs> of bottles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm a big tequila degree because the next day I feel completely fine. I feel like if you take straight shots, it's completely good with your system. You know, like I said, it's plant-based. And it's it's medicinal, and I think there's some sort of like spiritual element to it. Well, the the fat, the whole recipe that's always come from different families. The rule is the th- the rule of thumb, the code is to not put any sweeteners, put no preservatives in it. It needs to be super clean and organic, and that's the biggest thing about tequila because you can have other alcohols. And I mean, how many times back in the days have you really had a bunch of vodka? And you've just woken up absolutely rat shit, right? Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time on tequila, if you're sticking with the one tequila and you're not really putting, you're not taking Sprite or anything like this, there's the reason why I like to have OJ and tequila because I can drink a bottle and the next day I'm still going to be a little bit hungover, but not as hungover. I can still operate, which is cool. Yeah, definitely. I, that definitely is a top, t- list, a top 10 list for drinks or for shots per se. And there's something uh, ceremonial when you drink with tequila and you take yeah. shots with it. You exactly. feel like a much closer bond, exactly. especially with the girl I fall in love with. We still you know. like every week. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, this has actually been cool. It's been cool to have someone who's on here who you know understands tequila as well, which has been great. Alcoholic, alcoholic, alcoholic. <laughs> so that's the story about. This tequila, Don Ramon, the silver. Don Ramon, thank you, man. What we're going to do now is we're going to have a shot. All right, let's do it. And we're going to toast, and now we're going to find out the story about Drew. All right, great. 
All right, so let's take this and then... So is, is this tequila just a sorry to interrupt? Is it going to tell me, uh, maybe tell the truth? Not the truth, but on with the truth or whatever the hell that is. You can't handle the truth. Cheers, bro. Cheers, bro. Say my name, say my name. No one is around you. <laughs> so, okay, before we get into the story of Drew, All right. I'm going to I'm gonna make this drink, but what... um. It's a big ice cube, man. It's a big ice cube. That's what she said. <laughs> um, out of 10, what would you rate the Don Ramon Silva? Um, luckily, I haven't signed any contracts with like Claus Azul or Don Julio, so I can really speak my mind. I would definitely rate this up there. I would say this is like a 9 out of 10, just because I was given a bottle for free, so I'm just going to say 9 out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> but if you send me a bottle... I'll write a review for a 10 out of 10. <laughs> of the Don Ramon. To the Ramon. That's right. The one thing I, I didn't mention in um just before is thing I really like about this bottle. It's a very simple bottle. However, Don Ramon has done a partnership with uh Schwarzkopf. So oh, wow. So they do all the they do these crystal bottles for like their really high end. But the top of that bottle, the plug, that's um Schwarzkopf. Swaskov. Oh, wow. It's like a crystal top. I mean, yeah, I like how the... many bottles do you know that like have like a little bit of crystal at the top, right? Yeah, it's a very, very good looking bottle. Very simple, straightforward. Yeah. Not too much of the branding. Cheers, by the way. Cheers. Happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Oh, wait, Wednesday. Yeah. Happy Hum Day. It's not Thursday yet. See? In Bali, you never know what day it is. Every day is a Saturday. Yeah. Just letting you know. <laughs> Bro, I like a fuck with your outfit as well. Thanks, man. You know, I just realized like, Fashion is an identity in Bali, and I've been in Bali for three years. You know, nobody really gives a shit about brand names here and which, what kind of car you drive or what kind of clothing with branding you have. And I realized, you know what, in Bali, I think it's you need to be your own character, mm-hmm. like like you're on The Simpsons or any other TV shows. And to create your identity, your character, you wear what you want to wear and how you want to express yourself. And and I've kind of t- taken some time to really understand that I wear what I want to express. Mm. So today I feel like some kind of brown cheetah bear. So I was pulled up. Wow. So, you know. Rawr. I'm just quickly, uh, do you want to button up your bottom shirt? Your... Oh, sorry, man. Uh, Unless you wanted to. Uh, I was trying to show my six pack <laughs> and get some viral views, but unfortunately I got called out. So we're going to we close can, that button. We can cut that out. Careful. <laughs> 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 yeah. Sweet. That's what I mean. That's what I like. That's like, yeah, man. I think people really need to get, just get to know our personalities. And this is a good opportunity to, you know, get on a platform and be like, yo, this is Drew. Like, this is what I like because this whole show is about just like, just be who the fuck you are. Like, shit happens, right? Yeah, nobody's perfect. I think it's very important to really, you know, bring out your true form. Uh, I, I think being authentic is very important. Understanding your archetype and what type of personality you are. As you get older, you know, I'm not that old. I'm not letting know anybody my age. Don't even try to ask. However, it's really good to know who you are in person, looking within yourself, and that will really help you, you know, guide you in the right direction in your path of like, I don't know, success or life or whatever you're looking for. Well, let's, let's, speaking of life, let's talk about your life then. So you're originally from Toronto. I was born in Sri Lanka, actually. Ah, okay, yeah. Uh, this is why I give my age away, but I was born during the war. So my mom, I was born, my dad was a playboy, mm-hmm. my mom, I'm actually a love child, by the way. Just letting people, really? Yeah. Bow chicken, bow wow. That's why you love love. Yes. <laughs> Long story short, I was born in Sri Lanka. 
in the 80s. I'm not letting know what year. And then uh, wars emerged and I was a minority and my mom wanted to keep my safety and then we immigrated to Paris. And my mom was a maid in Paris. And from there, my dad, my mom reconnected again and my brother was born. And from there, my parents separated and we moved to Canada. And then we moved to Canada as refugees in Montreal. And from there, my mom just worked her ass off and supported for me, my brother, and my sister was born at that time. My, my mom and dad reconnected again. Because in our culture, like, moms and dads always try to make it work, you know, no matter what. So mm -hmm. they put it up together for quite some time. Finally separated. Then we moved to Toronto. I grew up in Toronto. Fast forward. Lived there all my life. Went to school. That's where I found my grounding. That's where I found my photography. That's where I found my, my schooling, my studies. My foundation was really there. So pretty much I would say, I was raised in Toronto, but Bali adopted me. <laughs> I mean, this is a thing that not many people actually know about you is your photography. Yeah. Because in Bali, you're like the event guy, right? You're the event king. Like you've created some of the most fantastic events here that everyone goes to, right? Mm -hmm. um, but then like, how did you go from photography into event business? Because you're still running events in Montreal, bef no, uh, yeah, in Montreal, Toronto, Toronto yeah. before you came over. Yeah. So were you doing both at the same time? Or so how, how it started, it's a great question, by the way. How it started was I was working for a corporate company, uh, which is a big telecommunications firm. I was a marketing analyst. And I was literally uh, like a monkey in a box, working nine to five, Monday to Friday, and d devoted my life there for like 10 years. And what happened was around that time, my best friend was doing photography and he sold, he wanted to sell his used camera. So I used my tax return and I bought a camera for a thousand bucks and was just sitting there. I bought it because I was going on a trip with my girlfriend to Jamaica. And my trip back, uh, the HR department brought me in. They're like, Drew, just have a seat. And I'm like, I don't know if this sounds good. And they're like, listen, it's either you or your coworker, Daisy, that's about to retire, but we're doing some restructuring right now. And we're gonna have to let you go. We see that you're getting into photography. And I know that we made the right decision because she's just about to retire and get her pension and you're just an aspiring photographer. We'll give you a year severance and you'll figure it out. And that's what happened. So I dive into photography. And how I got into this photography was a nightlife photographer. Mm. I started doing gigs from 50 bucks, worked my way up. And that's how I built my brand. And from there, I had a studio. I photographed for about eight to 10 years. And I realized the money was much more better in uh, event hospitality because I realized that I was a master of ceremonies. And just love doing that since, man. I still do photos. You know, here and there I have a couple of muses. Of course, we're in Bali, I'll, I'll photograph. But my main bread and butter right now is throwing beautiful ceremonies for people to have a good time and come back to again. So how did you learn the craft of, because obviously you're in photography, so you get to be in the mix of what makes people happy, what makes people drink, what makes the club money. How did you figure out what makes good events? Did you what like did you shadow someone or did someone bring you in? How did you understand the event game? Great question. Um, so what happened was I was in grade eight and I was going on a school trip, and I'm, and what happened was I was going on a school trip with my buddies, and we're going to Quebec, which is another province outside Ontario. We're going to just Quebec to go see sightseeing and whatnot. On the way back, my boy, his name is Matthew, and I don't want to say his last name. He had a porn magazine, and he said, "Hey." Um, we're going to go back to Toronto. Do you want to keep this magazine? Because I don't want to take it home because I don't get any shit. I'm like, honestly, I don't want it either because I'm 13 years old. I don't want to get busted with the porn mag. It's a Playboy magazine. Long story short, I decided to keep the magazine and go home, but I decided to rip it apart and throw it flush on the toilet 
But my stepdad came in, he found out I, I forgot to fudge that one piece of paper. He snitched on me to my mom. And she's like, that's it. I have a, I have a son, he's a pervert. You go to all boys school. <laughs> and I was like, no, I want to go to regular school so I can go to prom. She's like, if you do good grades for the next three years from grade nine to grade 11, I promise you go to, uh, to a co-ed school. So what I did as a good kid, I studied, bust my ass, got good grades, and ended up in grade 12 in a co-ed school, which is called Sir Oliver Mowat. But then I realized I had no friends because all my friends were from my old school. <laughs> Long story short, my birthday's in November. I decided to meet up with London Chicks. I was working with a student counselor. Her name was Maya, super cute chick. And I asked her if I could use a computer. And I was like, you know, my birthday's coming up. I'm going to put together an event to make some friends. So I invited, I, I typed up, you're cordially invited to Juice 16th birthday party at Frankie Tomatoes, DJ live music and all you can eat. $5 cover. I printed the copy. Three, I wish I still had it, man, because that thing would be worth a lot of money. It would be an NFT right now. Yeah, yeah. Long story short, I printed three other, 300 of those, and I started giving them out to everybody. It's going, hey, my birthday's on Friday. Please come. All you can eat. My birthday party, 16th birthday, blah, 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 blah. Uh, so, no, 300. I go to the venue. I'm waiting there with my brother, my best friend, Silva, at the time. And we're just nervous because the owner is like this big fat Italian guy. He's like, where are the people? Where are the people? I'm like, all right, they're coming, they're coming. <laughs> Sitting there. So, you know, on 16th birthday party, so it's between 7.30 to the next day. He's like, where are the tables? They have to argue about you. You'd be selling tables at 16th. Yeah. For sure. He's like, Yo, you want a table? You want a table? <laughs> for sure, he's selling tables at 16th. So little by little, I see the cars driving by. And like little by little, I see the parents dropping out the kids. And they're coming with the birthday presents. I'm like, oh, my God, there are people coming to my birthday. Before you know it. The whole school showed up. 300 people showed up at my birthday party. I made 1500 bucks on $5 cover. That's when I had a light bulb, man. I'm like, oh my God, I can make fucking money throwing parties. <laughs> also, on Monday, when I pulled out, it was like slow motion. It was like one of those like Days and Confused or one of those like high school coming of age movies. I was walking slow-mo into the high school and like the hottest shit came out to me. was like, Drew, that party was sick. And she was my prom date. Let's go. That's the origin story. <laughs> After that, it was history. <laughs> Man, so any, so any like high school kids, that's what you need to do again. Dude, I was a coolest kid after that because it was November. So all of a sudden I started throwing events, throwing boat parties. The school student comes and, dude, do you want to help with our Halloween dance or Valentine's dance? You look like you're good at organizing these things. And then just add a knack for it. So one of the things Metro Boom, he's this famous producer, and I'm not going to quote unquote him exactly, but he did say something very profound and it always stuck to my head. He says, anything you do in your childhood, that you enjoy doing. So from like from 10 years old to like 18, anything you enjoy doing at that time, it, they give you some sort of validation, some like, you know what, this is something I want to do. Uh, subconsciously in your mind, as you get older, you'll always do things with that. So I think it's very important to do something you enjoy. Oh, hi. hi. We're, we're filming. Huh? We're filming. Who's that, Kramer oh, from Seinfeld? <laughs> he pops. <laughs> Wait, Dad, what do you want? <laughs> Dad, come back. Dude, this is funny as dad. Okay, so everyone, so like I'm seeing my dad for six months, so he's staying in my villa. <laughs> I think he, oh, no, because he, oh, that's why. Okay, so, so we've got IC just for context on this, because this hasn't been cut out. This is how cool my dad is. I told my dad, because my dad makes a mean mojito, bro. Yo, let's do it, man. I'm down. You guys are trying Blake's dad's mojito. We ran out of ice because we had this because I put all the ice in here. So my dad just went and got ice and came in because he knew I needed more ice. And he bring a cup in. I'm so confused. What a piece of fucking dude. dude that dad, thoughtful of him to bring I, ice and dad's Absolutely, like, Lord. Uh, no, don't worry. We'll get back to that. Anyway. <laughs> so you went from like 
what I want to know is, I mean, you, the parties that you throw here are crazy, and I don't think people really know the um, back-end story on how you went from high school of selling out an entire high school when you've only just been there for like literally a year. So what was your journey after that? What what did you do after the high school? And tell us your journey coming into Bali. All right. So fast back into back in time, um, schools out for summer. Uh, so schools out was summer. We don't know what to do. And we had a taste of making money at 16, 1500 bucks at that time. When you inflate it right now, it was about three grand. So it was like $3,000, like 16 is a lot of money, man. Like you can literally buy a car, mm. like a nice one. So long story short, my boy was like, you should we do study for the summer? I'm like, you know what we should, man. And I decided to throw a boat party. At that time, me and him were working at McDonald's night shift, flipping burgers and throwing out garbage and cleaning the toilets. We're like, fuck this shit, man. I'm sure there's another way to make money when we're young. Why do we have to follow the McDonald's route, you know? Even though I'm happy to work at McDonald's because it made me realize how much I appreciate not working there anymore because it kind of really showed me like if I don't go to school or study or like do self-help, I'm going to end up working at McDonald's. Not to say if you work at McDonald's, you're bad. It's just like at that time for me, that was my opinion. Long story short, we saved up some money for McDonald's. We thought like 500 bucks, 250 on his side, 250 on my side was more than enough for a deposit. We go to River Gambler. You can, YouTube, you can put it on YouTube. It's like a boat that you can charter in Toronto on on Lake Ontario. We get to the address and we sit down. We're like, hey, we're just two young, young skinny kids. We're like, hey, we want to rent this boat to a boat party. And the owner looked at us like, okay. Well, you know, you have to sign a contract, right? I'm like, yeah, sure. So long story short, he pulls up the contract. He's like, well, the boat's going to cost you $18,000. And if you sign this contract, do you know that even if you don't come up with the money from the, your party ticket sales, that you owe us $18,000? Me and my buddy looked at him and we're like, this is the best. He's like, let's fuck it. Let's just do it. We signed it and we're like, we'll give you like $500 deposit. And we walked out, we looked at him like, man, you better fucking sell this boat, man. We're <laughs> fucked. Our parents are going to pay 18 grand, which is a lot of money at that time. So we went back. A lot of money today. Yeah, he would not. He would not. That's what. Holy shit. That's like, what, $250 million yeah. in IDR. Yeah. So we get back to it. We're like, let's, we get on the photo, on the Photoshop. We make the, we, I was a photographer. He was a design guy. We, we made the flyer. We literally went to every university, every college. It was called Pondi Bank Brokus, which is a song after Elephant Man, which is like this big elephant reggae, uh, reggae artist called Elephant Man, Pondi Bank, Pondi Replay. And then we went to every high school, uh, not high school, but mostly like colleges and universities. And literally flyer dropped all the cars in each window, even during the snow. Like when we had the boat parties before the next summer, we'd like literally flyer everybody because back then there was no Instagram or and then we had ICQ at MSN though. I see Emma send though, but we didn't have like Instagram to like share. So we had to do old school call phones and we had the StarTech Motorola's back then. So we didn't really have text. No MySpace? No MySpace. MySpace was emerging. Facebook was just coming out, but we really had to do everything by hand and really get people out. So old school promotion. First boot party, we did it. 500 people came out, sold out show. People were like, just do another one. Kept doing it. And that's the rest of his history, man. And just to add to that, we have an event Full circle, in November 1st, we're throwing the biggest cruise line party in Singapore called It's a Ship. November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, 3,500 people. You hit us up with the cabins. We got you on. It's our Halloween party. Just to go, what you were doing back then, full circle comes back in full, like, full circle, full circle, full circle. So this is a crazy story because I told my boys, I'm like, yo, man, I threw a boat party when I was 18, and now I'm throwing a fucking cruise line party for 3,500 people in Singapore called It's a Ship, baby. 
festival in the water, Halloween party. You should better pull up to that. All right. So make sure, uh, Ricky, put um, put the uh, description. It's the ship. It's the ship. Yeah. Biggest Halloween party on the water. And is Brody headlining that? Yeah. So he's doing the second line, second uh, second day festival. They get up to the room called Silk Road. And I kind of <laughs> use all these like Singapore people have this crazy like turns on like the branding and stuff. But you know how interesting is that you, Brody, if I rock up to that, because I've been looking at that. I don't really know the details of it. But if like us three rocked up to that, we'd just be rolling through Singaporeans, man. It'd be hilarious, bro. I don't know what to expect, but you know, I've heard this brand has been there for quite some time. So thank you so much for It's the Ship for reaching out to me uh, to headline Brody there on the second day for the festival. Our main room is sits about 500, 600 people, which is great. To be honest, on a boat, that's a lot of people. That's so a this, lot of people, bro. So this is a cruise line for 3,500 people that could stay there in their cabins. So imagine how, how great I feel that I went out there on my first boat party. I put like 500 bucks. Full circle comes back. Now I'm throwing the biggest yacht party pretty much in all of Asia. Yeah. Which is actually the biggest Halloween uh, cru- uh, Halloween cruise line party on all of Asia. The biggest cruise line party in all of Asia, including China. I, I think it's the biggest one in the entire world because I don't think anyone throws a proper Halloween party. Tries it. So I'm so happy for it. This is right after Halloween, November 1st, 2nd, and 3rd of this year, 2023. Congrats, bro. Thanks, bro. Happy for you, man. Thank you so much, bro. So let's let's talk about it. so so you've done that and then like what was in between that? Like I mean before I mean you got to Bali. When did you come to Bali? So I came to Bali December twenty twenty and the reason why I came here, you know, hats off to Ralph. Uh he became partners at Morbito the year before. However, long story short, I did come to Bali two thousand eighteen prior to the COVID uh pandemic and I spent a month here. Do you wanna give a kind of like an understanding? Because I mean, Ralph was like like a big dog in, in Canada. Yeah, absolutely. And then you rolled with him. Do you want to give a bit of context on that? Absolutely. So Ralph is a, a legend, legend, legend guy from back in Toronto. He started from like nothing. He was a server. He worked his way up and owned some of the most prestigious nightclubs in Toronto and had the biggest festival called BPM Festival. He's been in the game for like so long. So he's definitely someone I looked up to. And he was one of the main reasons why I decided to move to Bali during the pandemic. And just follow his footsteps, man. So, like, he's a pivot and getting me to, like, take the leap of faith, moving from across the world from Toronto, which is, like, a 28-hour flight to Bali, and just literally restart from zero here. So, I definitely got to give hats off to him. Considering that he is an inspiration. Inspiration for me that really come down here. But at the end of the day, he didn't give me a, he didn't give me a spoon in my mouth. I was like, hey, everything's here. You go. I started to bust my ass here and make my name for myself. Let's talk about that because, first of all, um, when did you start nursing? Nursing? Yeah, because you've been nursing that drink. So, I have not said that on any episode at all, but I'm only doing it to you. Because I'm like, watching uh, you know, we like to party, okay? I know, but, you know, it's kind of like 4.30 in the afternoon in Bali, but, you know, it's tequila clock in Bali. Please. We got mojitos when we walked downstairs with my, with my dad. It's fine. Um, all right. Okay, so... I think the I really want to get into the degree of you've come from a, a totally different country. Bali is the opposite of Canada, especially at you know at that time. And you've busted your ass. You've proven yourself to be one of the best event throwers on the island. And I know you've with what you've just said. Then you know how to throw a party like worldwide. Yeah. Let's call it this, right? What's what did you go through when you first started? You didn't know anyone. You only know Ralph. Yeah. And I want the context to be: if someone wants to go 
And this could be different. It doesn't have to be about partying, but if someone wants to move to another country, but they still have to network and build themselves up, what did you use in your cadence to be able to network, get the right connections, start building the parties from scratch and get to where you are now? Great question, by the way. Uh, I think it's really important to like be authentic and have integrity in who you are. And it's very important not to reinvent the wheel. So I pretty much applied all the experience that I had in Toronto here. And I remember your network is your net worth. And if you fail once, get up and try again. I don't think failure is a good opportunity for you to learn from your mistakes and try again. When I first started Adventure, there were, I did take a couple of L's. Not all of them were successful, which was fine because I was still learning a new market. And what happened was I was I just went back to my grassroots, man. I did the same thing I did in back at home. I, I threw a yacht party here on the pirate boat mm. right before lockdown and I was like this is a like I knew that if I throw this party and everybody showed up I had 150 people there was an all white boat party and I told myself listen if I throw this party I'll make a splash on the island and say yo Drew can throw events mm -hmm. and it was successful for my end because everyone had a good time they said had a good time and they followed up like when are you going to do your next event and I had that holding on and as soon as lockdown uh, closed down I reached out to Don Maria and asked them if I could do my hip hop party there. And from there, they gave me a shot. And I ended up throwing one of the biggest hip hop parties on the island on a Wednesday at Damaria called Inno, which means innovate, which means a song, it means to create, it means to sing. So, and the Inno brand was created specifically for Damaria because it's an Italian restaurant. Inno is also Latin, but it's also Italian. And that party really put me on the platform and kind of showed everybody that I could move and shake. And from there, it just, you know, started building other brands. It was more than that. Uh, when I first met you, which was like during COVID and you started rolling, you know, now I know like a lot of people like who are different in different events because I've been here for quite a while. Mm. But when I first met you, uh, one, you're extremely hospitable, even though I've never met you before, which one thing was a great character. Thank you. Yourself. But second thing, I look at you as a business person because no one has ever like you started this right no one has ever started like charging door um door entry i've not seen it i did not see it the door entry was there uh and people were kind of confused that there was a door entry at da maria at da maria and the reason why i did that was because in the beginning i think a strategy and this is like an industry strategy and maybe you can learn from this I, I truly believe we're not hiding these secrets it's good important to share this wisdom with everyone so people can learn and apply this. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, if it doesn't. One of the great things about doing events is you open the gateways for everybody to come and experience it. Mm -hmm. And as it gets to a point where it's so busy, you can't move. Once you put the door fee on, you start filtering the crowd out. You can pick and choose the type of crowd that would actually enjoy the space in there. So if someone is willing to come to your event and they made it that far, they're willing to pay 10 bucks if they don't have a table because they want to experience the experience from beginning to end. And that, that fee goes to the DJs. It goes to the extra promotional staff that we have or the security or maybe for like extra expenses that we're doing just to make the night a success and make it a good experience for you guys. So that's the reason why we charge door. Not to create, obviously there's like extra income on it, but half of it's made it put for expenses too. Yeah. Elevate, you know, really give the customer a good experience and, you know, they come together for the moments. You but know, it helps I, you to scale as well. It's a scale, yeah. If a business can't scale, it goes, it dies. No, absolutely. Well, it ends up dying because it's just like, it's standard. 
Yeah. And then... Hey, let me get you some orange juice. Oh, thank you, man. It's actually great. You know what? To be honest, Dom Ramon, I had you at 9 out of 10, but now I'm at 9.2 out of 10. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, this is the thing. It's value. Because you can't, like, if you, okay, I paid 100K to go into a place, right? What am I getting out of it? Yeah. Am I happy? One, number one, every single guy, especially here in Bali, am I going to go in there? I'm not vibing over the music 100% unless I'm a fucking DJ or I'm in that space. The number one thing is like, are there hot girls there? That's it. Yes. That's that's number one. That's that's not a sexist thing. It's not a feminist thing. Whatever. Without ripping around the world, man, let me just add to what I say. Like, should God made man, you know, he made the rough draft before making the masterpiece. Exactly. So the fact that the way that you structured that venue was you created a beautiful dinner. You allowed beautiful women to come in. You already started the vibe. So when people already came in early, even when you guys are having dinner, they can see that there's beautiful girls there. And this makes people get into the vibe because if you have been, and I used to throw, um, I don't know if you know this, I used to throw huge yacht parties back in Australia as well. And we used to have a thing where it used to have to be 70% women. Yeah, yeah. Because women like to hang out with other girls and by having 30%, 40% max, guys, it's just a better vibe because there's plenty to go around. There's no violence. There's plenty of opportunity and everyone has a better vibe. It's yeah. just how we work. It's the world. There's no science to it. It's just black and white on exactly the population and how it works. So the fact that you created something with value was exceptional. And I'd never, ever heard, except for you've gone to Shishi and all that shit, right? Yeah. That you'd have to pay but I never heard Da Maria. You know, Love Street is a good club, by the way, just in case. You just say Shishi and that shit. But no, Shishi is really, really amazing fun. venue. Shishi is an insane value. Um, Love it there. Venues. <laughs> it's just a little bit different. Um, but if you like a one one area and great music, um, you know, it was great. You got Miss Fish. You got um, She's With Us on a Tuesday night, which, again, my hat's off to you, bro, because I've been saying for about three years that no one has created a good Tuesday night. And when you guys told me that, hey, we a Tuesday night, we're calling it She's With Us. Um, uh, yeah, She's With Us. Yeah. And Miss Fish, I was like, bro, that is going to go off every single... I remember, I remember when you first came, you're like, this is going to be a good one. Dude, straight up. And I was yeah. there last week as well, and I was like, yo. That's the thing. Thank you so much, man. I really appreciate the love like, on, on these brands. And I think one of, my, one of the things for me is like, one of the main reasons why I came to Bali is obviously, you know, lifestyle changes. I wasn't really happy with the whole Western society and how it was structured after COVID. And I'm not trying to say it's a shitty t- I don't. I'm not trying to say Canada's shitty. I love my country. I'm proud where I was raised. I'm proud where I studied. I'm well married. And, you know, like my family brought me there for a reason because it's structured right. But at that time, things changed a little bit. So I decided to move to Bali because I want to do a life change and change my lifestyle. Long story short, I came to Bali specifically with a purpose and life purpose was to build a community. And the reason how you build a community is by working with different people and connecting everybody and creating your own little ecosystem. So that's why I decided to start, you know, on Wednesdays, start She's With Us on Tuesdays, Mademoiselle, which is our cabaret on Saturday nights. And we're launching a new one tomorrow, actually. It's called Rendezvous à la Toilette at Sardines. Shout out to Alban, those guys from K-Clubs are giving us a shot. 
It's already sold out, so I don't know what to expect tomorrow. And we have another brand once a month called Alice in Wonderland, which is a K-Club. And all these brands, it's not I'm trying to spread myself too thin. I just feel like Bali is a revolving door. And you got a lot of people coming in and out every week. And you want to give them options. If they're here for a week or two weeks, you don't want to just give them the same venues. You want to give them a journey. And this, as a show manager, a show producer, a curator, this is my rush, man. This is how I get my hire. Mm -hmm. And that's why I diversified my portfolio with different venues. And I created my own ecosystem. And I want everyone to love another because there's enough food for everyone to eat. That's an interesting um, quote right there. Everyone is very cutthroat. But everyone doesn't realize that there's a lot of people in the world to be able to consume. And there's different markets, right? And, you know, like, you know, if you look at the numbers of how many people are visiting Bali every month, I think it's like just under a million. Yeah. I don't know. It's like a lot of three million coming every year now. So, like, if there's a hundred million people coming into the island every month, there's enough food for everyone to eat. And I think it's very important to share the pie, let all the local co-workers or businesses make some money as well. And not just have one money, one business making the money and not impacting other businesses. Mm -hmm. And I believe in one love, one connection. We're all human beings, but separation is just an illusion. We're all connected. And I believe in sharing the wealth with everyone because that makes the community much stronger and much closer. For example, next week for Barbie, the Barbie party, we're doing top prizes. We reach out to a couple of our fellow like businesses like Shelter, Avocado Factory, um, Don Fernando. And they're like, listen, man, like we're giving up prizes for the Barbie party. Can you guys give us something? They're like, absolutely. And we just built a community of prizes. But this is what I like about what you guys, you go the extra mile. I know you got the envelopes there, right? Mm. Show you the envelopes that you have. So, so the thing I love about you is you create these special invitations that you send out to people. Yeah. How many, how many event coordinators actually send something out? to everyone and this is what happens in bali you guys you like the last party the paris party yeah you guys sent out the paris parties everyone got wristbands there was like you're creating something that people can relate to and really pull themselves in and like people think okay we're gonna push some stuff on marketing on facebook instagram and then you're gonna come and stuff like that but you put that extra touch in bro thank you man so this comes from like remember my, my origin story right so when i was in high school what did i do i did the same thing when i was 16 mm -hmm. and it didn't fail me so why would i re re try to reinvent the wheel yeah nowadays of course my the flower is much better the colors better i got a little uh, a lipstick sticker yeah and it's just organic man i think when you send an invitation to someone personally you took the time you got the gojek they called the gojek so that you know what they're spending some time and money to get the invitation, so they're subconsciously committed to coming to this event. So everyone who doesn't know what a Gojek is, uh, it's like Indonesia's version of Uber. Yeah, but you can get little bikes and send stuff around. And, and some get... nice nasi goreng. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and now we've actually we've enhanced our invites. So what we have is on my phone, we're giving a digital invites, but it's an animated GIF. And what's good about this is that the animated GIF wouldn't work through Instagram. You would have to send it through with email or WhatsApp. So if you pull up to the party and someone, you, you got a digital invite from me and the coin didn't move, for example, for tomorrow, we have a coin with a rabbit on it and it says Latoya on the bottom. Yeah. When I send it to you through WhatsApp, it moves. Yeah. And you show that to the entry of the phone, they'll let you in. But if you had a screenshot of the coin and it doesn't animate, you can't get it. Wow, that's really cool. So it's still personal. Yeah. So if you send that in the group chat, you can send it in WhatsApp group chat. Maybe they'll sneak out once in a while, but at least we know that it was sent to like, people that they want to be seen or be invited. That's very cool.
So we're trying to elevate the experience because, you know, some people don't want the physical aspect of the ticket, but the girls love the invites. It's something they put on the fridge. You know, they're like, I put it up cool. on Instagram. They feel like they're being wanted. You know? But they're actually being wanted. The hands like just coming out to the venue because it's really right. curated, right? Because this is everyone, everyone can text, right? Everyone can text. Or post a flyer. Oh, come, come. But like, whoop de doo. Like, if you still, isn't it weird how we live in a world where we're all consumed by like socials and you can get tagged? But if you still get an envelope, you really feel like they put the fucking time. Yeah, man. I'll give you an example. Like, you know, even with your pops right now, right? Like, uh, sorry, I was scratching my armpit. Um, <laughs> I didn't know it was on camera. <laughs> like, you know, okay, just say you're talking to a chick, right? And uh, you really like this girl. And you actually wrote her a handwritten letter. Like, I'm not trying to say you need to be a simp or anything like that. But like, yo, I'm like, yo, I want to try something different. It was good seeing you last week. Why don't I write you a letter? Because I want you to smell my cologne. I don't know. Blake. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, what the fuck? Wow. She goes tell that story to her friends. Like, this guy just wrote me a letter telling me, like, through his outfit. Yeah, you know, you never know. But it's just the personal touch that goes a long way. Like, you know, when you get Christmas cards from like, your grandma, like, there's certain family members that still send Christmas cards. Mm. Like, I used to get, I'm like, oh my God. And I feel so bad. I'm like, man, they took the time to write this Christmas card and send it to me. And it's snowing outside and they got a little cookies with it. I'm just like, I'm a piece of shit, man. <laughs> You know, like, why do we get Mother's Birthday? Like, why, why do we get cards on Mother's Day? Like, that should be with everybody. Yeah. You know? It shouldn't just be one time a year. It should be... Yeah, I think it's it's very important as as digital and social spirit kind of sort of, like, slowly, like, was, like, you know, invading that blurred line with what's real and what's not, and everyone's just online. These small little things are that, that are, like, like, real and has, like, weight on it still means something to humans. And th there's a reason why I love what I do. I think throwing events or bringing people together are probably the, one of the last most human things we can do as we get into the AI world. Because eventually people are just going to put on like VR headsets and party online. Mm -hmm. And what I'm doing right now is I'm still getting, trying to get people together, get on the bikes, take a shower, put some makeup on, make sure you have money in your bank account to buy some bottles of girls, to connect and fall in love and maybe have a baby. Mm -hmm. And these are the last, four, we're on the last frontier, man. And I, I don't think this is going to last forever. So I'm just riding the wave. <laughs> I want to rewind back a little bit though, because the average person who does run events, mm -hmm. they, they usually run just one event and they're successful and they collect the money and, that, and that's it. Yeah. You, you're running quite a lot of number of events. How do you handle running all of these events plus like these invitations and plus keeping all the data and track it. Like, how do you achieve that so that every single event is successful? I think, number one, you need to be passionate about what you do so you don't feel like you're working. So I don't feel like I'm working. I feel like I'm doing something that I really enjoy. So it's like asking a painter, why did you take 15,000 hours of paint this painting of this horse? And he's like, I don't know. I like it. And he's like, and also someone's going to buy it for $10 million. Oh, shoot. All right, then. So I think it's really about how much you like what you do. And what I like, what I do, I don't really like how I'm working. I feel like I'm, this is like my, like, like servitude. Like I was summoned to create, bring people together and maybe in that sphere, do that. And I don't feel like I'm surrounding myself too thin. Like I said, prior to what I was saying earlier is I'm creating an ecosystem for my friends that come visit me to have a good time and also create these different experiences because, you know, my background is in film and photography. I'm a big film guy. 
And I feel like the events that I create are all my own version of my own shows. I'm creating my own like little Netflix show in my head. And you think that people can apply that even if they're not in the event business, like in other businesses and that? Yeah, it could be as a job. If you're, if you're, I think it's really about how much you put into something. So if you put something, 10,000 hours to something, you become a perfectionist. And I've put 10,000 hours into this and I love what I do. It's like asking a painter, why, why you keep painting? Like you're retired now. It's because they love what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It gives them some sort of high or some sort of like, uh, you know, uh, feeling of like worth, mm-hmm. you know, like I think it's very important to find your calling. And I got this from my mom and my stepdad. They always like to pour, throw events at the house and bring people together and drink and dance. So this has always been my subconscious. I've been a kid. My parents always forced me to dance a lot of Christmas parties and listen to music. So I grew up in a very musical family. My brother's a producer. My mom's a singer. She's actually a radio show host. has her own podcast. My sisters all sing and do traditional Indian dancing. So like I come from a very artistic family. And I think my my core psyche is to just show people a good time. You know, whether I'm sure producing events, maybe I'll throw festivals down the road. I don't know. But I just love doing what I do, man. And I think Bali's a very musical culture, uh, inept, like, uh, island. And people love music here. People love going out. People love theme parties. That's why I feel like the Barbie party is going to be a success because it's relevant. It just came out. All the girls have watched it. And now they can express themselves in my event yeah. by watching the movie. Are you going to dress up for the Barbie party? I'm, I'm through. Like, when you put it up on socials yesterday and tagged me, I was like, I actually want to dress up as Barbie. I got, I'm going to dress up as like this. Oh, bro. I know you wish shirt. <laughs> yeah. You have to do it. Nah, it's on camera. Dude, that shit will go fucking viral. Right. I got the hair for it. Like, do some lipstick, some eyelashes. Yeah. I'm entrepreneur Barbie. All the girls are going to want to take photos of this. I probably got bigger fucking chest than most of the girls. So. Dude, that's crazy. So, like, you know, my passion is Trump's uh, talent. And I think if you really love something, just enjoy doing it, man. Like, I love doing it. I love feeling it. Me and Alex and Don, like, shout out to Alex and Don. You also inspire me. He's one of the guys we work together. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. He's another hardworking guy. He loves creating, showing people a good time. It's amazing, hospitable. You know, and I think me and him are aligned with what we're trying to create here. The message is to have a good time, get home safe, and we do back again. And on that note, I'm I'm going to end the episode there because Perfect. a lot of great value. Yeah. And Thanks for having me, man. Again, I've learned so much about you and also from you. And this is the reason why I love this show, mate, because I love seeing my friends here and I love them. Thank you so much, guys. Again, let's cheers. Cheers, bro. I want to say thank you one more time. Cheers, bro. And cheers to Don Ramon, 10 out of 10. And you actually inspired me. So because you love to give gifts, I would like to gift you the rest of this tequila. Oh, shit. Thank you so much. Makasipar. What do you um, so, but What do you rate it now? I would say 10 out of 10. Because you got a free bottle. <laughs> Hey, man, I, don't, I will never say no tequila. But it's quite a delicious tequila, so I'm glad. You know what? It goes really nice with orange juice, so I'm excited to try it with, like, pineapple juice and other, like, tropical fruit juices. Um, tequila is something that you definitely need at the house after a long day. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's an icebreaker, so definitely like it. So this is going to go on my alcohol bar. And definitely, if you have Instagram for the Don Ramon, give them a shout-out. Yeah. But thank you so much. Thanks again for having me on the show. Definitely need to do more podcasts. If you guys like the show, like and subscribe. Give them a fucking follow. And then if you want my Instagram, it's Drew Alchemy. One word. Super easy on Instagram. Give me a shout out. No haters, no trolls. It's all love, okay, guys? Because we're watching.
Thanks, bro. Thank you, guys. Again, as Drew just said, his links and everything are below. I want to say thank you. If you have a story about tequila, go comment below. If you love tequila, go like and subscribe. Until next episode, adios, amigo.